Jamie, can you hear me? Hey, I can hear you. how are you? How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. How have you been? I've been good. I've been lucky that I've had something to keep me busy. I know that that's yeah. a real privilege <laughs> these days. Yeah, I mean, I just want to tell you quickly, um, you're a badass in this game. <laughs> you're a badass. I'm, I'm faking it at least. <laughs> no, I'm playing through it at the moment again, and you've just you're just rocking it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Salter makes me look good. I, mean, I think it's that—that's the way around, right? <laughs> How was your 2020? Because I know it was a is a weird year for everyone. Um, talk us through your 2020 because I know you worked. You were still working a lot. Yes, we went back to work in September of 2020, so that was a really welcome change. Um, besides that, I think it was an educational year. If you were lucky to have that self-awareness. Um, I think that we've all learned a little bit about how to get ourselves through a tough time. And we've all certainly learned that we're able to get ourselves through tough times. Um, and I think that's a huge oh, yeah. educational lesson. 100%. Um, people are already flocking in and they're saying, hey, Jamie, how are you? Um, I want to say firstly, I want to ask you firstly, um, Killzone Shadowfall. Now, not a lot. Now, a lot of people don't know you're in this game. I loved it back on the PS4, back in what? Yeah, 20, it was the launch game the PS4. Yeah, that would have been your first motion capture experience. Yeah. Yes. Talk us through it. Well, what was unique about that is it was one of the first motion capture experiences available where they recorded everything at once. And so it's actually performance capture. Now, the difference is that back in the day when they used to make video games, there would be a motion capture component usually executed by a stunt performer or former military person or an yeah. athlete, for instance, when you're talking about, you know, all of the sports games. Um, and then separately, a voice actor was brought into the studio to do all of the vocals. And then an animation department came in to actually create the visuals for the character itself. And usually that didn't include a likeness necessarily to the actor doing the voice. Nowadays, the technology is such that in this began with, excuse me, began with Shadowfall, the ability to record the body, the voice and the face of the performer all at once. So you're getting a complete character from one entity. So in the case of Killzone, um, but even more so with Call of Duty, when the technology and the graphics had improved so much, now you're actually talking likeness. Now you actually see me in Salter, and I've recorded the voice, the movement, and all of the facial expressions all in one go. So that kind of enhances the performance because now you're using an actor's entire performance for every component mm. in creating the character. Well, it enhances, it just enhances the performance, doesn't it? Because you can get every little detail of, or every little expression. And I think some actors tend to go a little bit over the top, but they don't realize how much it actually, you can be subtle with it. Yes, the newer technology has allowed for that because now you have, you wear a helmet, 
and there are two little microphones that hang down right here, like little antennae. And then you have a camera that sits about three inches from your face. I can't tell you the number of times I opened cabinets into my camera <laughs> when I'd be getting tea in between shots or something. But And that camera is recording nothing but your facial expressions and you have dots all over your face. And as those dots move, that relationship is then dropped into the animation and makes your character's face move in the exact yeah. same time. And all of that has allowed for those subtleties that creates a more full person out of each character. So did, how did you get that gig with Guerrilla Games? Did you ever go to, to Amsterdam? Did you audition? How did that go? The auditions, oddly enough, are very similar to that of a normal audition. The biggest difference and what makes it a little bit more like theater, for instance, is they like you to move around the space. For a typical acting audition, you're kind of stuck within your frame. Yeah. But when you audition for video games, they want to see that you can express physically as well as vocally. So they put you in a bigger room. They give you things to step on and run over and jump over while you're doing your audition. But the audition itself has the same integrity as, as a standard acting audition. It's not You don't jump mm. into the technology or anything. You're still just performing in an empty room for strangers. You know <laughs> That part of it is still the same. Yeah, well, so how much was different? Uh, how much was voice acting versus performance mocap in Killzone? Or was it all all um, performance? It's, it's all performance at once. Now, really? the only times when you kind of go in and do voiceover is, for instance, you know, the epilogue uh, of yeah. the game. You know, when you're kind of explaining, well, you know, this is a world torn by violence or whatever it is sort of the intro you would go into a studio and record that separately yeah and then for call of duty you would do the battle chatter is what it's called oh yeah there's a lot that, of that. would be done <laughs> all in kind of one session where uh, you might have four or five hundred lines and you mm. stand in a booth and give them you know the the covert version oh, the everyday really? version and the battle version of each yeah. line and that's wow. also where you say on your right, on your left, straight ahead, to your one o'clock, to your two o'clock, to your three o'clock. Yeah. And you kind of have to use the same intonation for each one so that when you're on radio, they can use whatever makes sense for that particular gamer's experience to guide them in the right direction. Well, you, you had to do that for Rose, yeah? You were the voice for Rose in Warzone? I, I did Rose from my closet here at home. Did you? Yes, How I recorded... Funny. All of that staring at my own clothes. They sent me a big old hard case that had microphone and headphones and recording devices. And I kind of had to run it all by myself in the closet and then sent it all back to them. And within a probably week or two, it was dropped in to the game. Wow. Um, in that case, you know, there was no performance capture aspect. You no, know, there were no, no recording of the face. I mean, yeah. Rose has her face covered most of the time anyway. Yeah. But um, I did record the majority of that all standing in my closet by myself. So that's 20, that was in 2020, yeah, obviously. Yes, that was last, I guess, last summer. Wow. I mean, going back to Killzone, though, I, I just love the universe. That's why I'm, I'm a little bit of a fanboy of the universe, to be honest. Have you, have you played the game? At all, the Shadowfall? I've, not as much as I played Infinite Warfare, but yeah. you're reminding me that I need to go back <laughs> and kind of revisit it a little bit. You know, that was my first video game, so I didn't totally understand how everything necessarily yeah. worked together. Um, but 
it was a really unique opportunity to kind of go back to your your theater skills. Yeah, because you come from a background of theater, don't you? From yes, and video games is far more like playing in your backyard with your friends than it is like being on a movie set. I mean, yeah. you kind of have to establish like, here's the lava, here's the safe area, because <laughs> none of it's in front of you. But then you have to act your mm. scene out and make sure you're not walking through walls or making sure the butt of your sniper rifle isn't going into a ramp as you're running down. And you kind of have to be aware of things that aren't necessarily directly in front of you. So there's a lot of imagination. You're not wearing costumes. You don't have the props. You don't have the scenery. Yeah, I know. So it's all committed to memory. And then it's sort of, you're reacting from there. So did you, um, were you a gamer before you got that first role? Or are you a gamer now? Or what would you say? Because I know you're a very busy woman. Um, I was never a hardcore first person shooter gamer. Yeah. I certainly grew up in the Super Nintendo Mario Kart and like I had the headset for 007. My friends and I would sit in this. <laughs> this is the difference though. My friends and I would sit yeah. in the same room with the headsets on oh, <laughs> and yeah. play the game. Yeah. Okay. Because that type of technology didn't exist yet. But I ran the gamut of Donkey Kong. I loved all of that. Um, but didn't get really into kind of the first-person shooter world until I got into Call of Duty. And so now would you say you're a bit of a expert or not quite these? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I play Call of Duty on Recruit. That's my oh, difficulty level. Okay. But hey, at I least do you're like playing. to incorporate my, my training, my Navy SEAL training. You know, my, my fiancé, when he watches me play, laughs at me because I'm very tactical. I'm going from cover to cover and just kind of boom, boom, going back in. I'm not like a Rambo-style <laughs> player necessarily. So, Lieutenant Nora Salter, what a role this was, hey? I mean, how do you look back on it now, four or five years later? It it really was a groundbreaking opportunity mm. at a time when- First female, when a lot of- female lead for a COD game? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. You know, when women are really fighting for representation in this world, I was given the golden ticket in an effort to to really represent female gamers, to represent members, female members of our military. Um, there was a lot of responsibility involved in that, but I was so honored, and I still am, to have been able to carry that torch. Um, because I've, you know, I've met with a bunch of people from the military, women who tell me that simply having people see my character as a woman portraying a Navy SEAL or fighter pilot, simply just putting that out there has made it easier for them to be accepted in their particular roles in real life, which like blew my mind that I could hold any value in that way to them. When did you realize how big like Call of Duty, what did you know the scope of COD when you were getting into it? Did you know that this was going to have be played by like, 20, 25 million people. <laughs> I did. Yeah. It was exciting and terrifying at the same time because yeah. with the good comes the bad and video games are notorious for producing very opinionated mm. people out in social mm. media. Well, <laughs> I, I've seen you handle a few trolls quite well. Over the years? I try to have fun with it. (laughs) I try to remind people that there's a person behind the computer without contributing to the bullying. Well, they just see the the character, don't they? They don't see the real person. Yeah, and and a lot of men, unfortunately, were threatened by the fact that there was a female leading that game, and that was unfamiliar and uncomfortable territory for them. 
I'm sure to be told what to do by a woman for a lot of them, since my character is kind of the one, Mm. you know, bringing you along. So that sort of required them to accept that, whether they liked it or not, Mm. if they were going to play the game, they had to deal with that. (laughs) I didn't think of that. What was your reaction when you first saw yourself? Because I mean, it looks, it's, it is you like, you know, it's like, we just, yeah. (laughs) Bonkers. I mean, when you see the rendering and much like you said, you know, you're a badass and I'm like, no, Salter made me look that way. Um, and, and, you know, well, if I, there was I, any ounce of that in me. When I say that, I mean, you've picked some pretty, you've had some pretty good roles like Law and Order, Echo, you know, all your roles seem to be badasses. I don't know if that's just you being choosy or you're just lucky. I don't know. Maybe I'm not good at being a pushover <laughs> <laughs> in life or on screen. Yeah. Far out. Did it? Did how did it? How did it? Um, how was it working with Brian Bloom? Because I'm going to get him on in a couple of weeks. I think he's. Um, oh, I think he's I unreal. Just was texting with him. Yeah, he is one of the most inspirational people I've ever mm. met. Without intending to be that person. Okay. And I think that's a really hard thing to achieve. Um, I, I can ask him for advice on anything, and he has life experience to back up his opinion. Um, the way that he approaches the work, the way that he approaches, you know, the writing, the amount of integrity that he and the writing teams put into each of these games. I mean, you're talking about 800 to a thousand page script. <laughs> when you think about it, a television or yeah. a film script being 100, 120 yeah. pages or something for like a two hour film, yeah. think about an eight hour campaign. <laughs> Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. And it's all quality too. As I'm playing through it again, I'd forgotten a lot of it. And it's just, yeah, it's quite gripping. And just from the word go, you're in, aren't you? It's, uh, yeah. So I feel very, very, very fortunate to have had the opportunity to be in Brian's orbit as long as I had. Is it is it weird that he's a writer and an actor in the game? Was that was there anything different about that? I think that's that? an asset. Yeah. I think that's an asset. If, if he had come in and maybe just as a writer, it might be different, but he had such an, un, he has such an understanding of the franchise and has an understanding of also playing these characters. So his ability to write those characters in a way that resonates with actors and with the audience, I think is a really unique thing that he offers. What about Kid Harrington? Did you ever meet him or did what, what was your reaction when he signed on? Never met I never met Kit. Wow. Nope. They flew to England for about 48 hours and recorded his stuff. Um, really? And they got his stuff done pretty quickly. In two days, his stuff was done. Yes. What? But uh, to give you perspective, the rest of us spent probably about, well, it's a three-year cycle for each game yeah. beginning to end to create it. And I was a part of that process for about 18 months. I did probably about 80 days of shooting over a year and a half period for the for all of our stuff. But that's flexible, isn't it? Because you can still do other movies and stuff in between there or no? Yes, that's actually one of the most unique things about at least working for Activision in particular is that, you know, Activision and Infinity Ward have their own, it's called a volume is where you record. So like, a, you know, a movie or something might be filmed on on stages for video games, it's called a volume. That's the space in which you perform and you're recorded. 
And because they have their own volume and their own space and they weren't dealing with location constraints or anything like that, if one of us, and, and I mean, I was working with David Harewood and all these incredibly accomplished and very, very, very busy actors. And I, I had the least going on in my life, luckily for them. Um, but, but everyone else is coming in and out of shooting, you know, multiple TV shows and they're able to create the schedule around the actor, which is very, very unique. It's an awesome cast because, as you said, you've got you know, you've got people like Kit Harrington, Brian Bloom. You also got Claudia Black, who is an amazing video game actor. Claudia was shooting more than one thing at that time. She was going back and forth from Atlanta. She was shooting yeah. um, uh, Contagion, I believe, is what it was, oh, or yeah. I think that's what the show was. But yeah, she was flying back and forth and to accommodate the game. Yeah, wow. Did you do any weapons training at all? Yes, we yeah. got multiple days of Navy SEAL training. We had two Navy SEAL advisors who, between wow. the two of them, had something like over five to 600 targets, as it's called, under their belt. Wow. Um, and we were taught as a group how to move tactically correct, at, correct as a unit. So we actually went to Santa Monica and we trained in an airplane hangar there where we were taught about how to approach different situations based on the amount of risk that we assess to be there. We were taught the various ways and positions in which you hold your gun based on the amount of risk or threat that's assessed in a certain situation. Um, you learn how to work in, in two person groups, three person groups, four person groups, whose job wow. is what, you know, that's you extensive we training. so much. Wow. That's yes. Really because cool. the body language that we had needed to match because we've got so many military people who love our game that we needed to make sure that we were portraying those things as accurately as possible. And have you had, you've had pretty good feedback from, from military people that you've spoken to? Yes, actually yeah. it's been really lovely. That's been one of the best things that's come out of doing call of duty, for instance, is that I continue to have a really close relationship with um, various armed forces groups and um, nonprofit and veteran organizations. And that's something I'm really grateful that I was introduced to during that. That's awesome. Do you think there's still a stigma around video game acting in the movie or TV landscape? When when you talk to other actors that don't know much about it, do you think they know? I don't think so. I think people mm. are so intrigued by it. And yeah. even if you've done big films and if you've done big television, if you haven't done a video game, like when I speak to actors who are far more accomplished than I am, they want to know about the process because it's such a... Like I said, it's such an imaginative process. It's yeah. not, you know, you when you're working in television and you've got your costume and your set and all this other stuff, you know, you're kind of like a puppet moving within that. And in video games, you really have to imagine this world yeah. and then kind of interact in it. So I, I think that maybe in the past when people didn't understand the type of work that video games required, there could have been that stigma. But I think as time goes on, people are realizing what a viable art what a viable medium video games really are for actors. And I mean, uh, we've been seeing a lot of, you know, big time actors come over just recently. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen, Norman Reedus recently as a kid, kid Harrington. Um, I think even Conor McGregor was in infinite warfare. Wasn't he? <laughs> I did get to meet Conor did McGregor. You? Really? And it, that was really awesome because he came in and, of course, we're all like, oh, God, it's Conor McGregor. <laughs> like, I watch a lot of MMA and I knew all about him. Yeah. And so he came in one day and we were showing him the trailer of the video game before he started his performance capture. Yeah. And I'll never forget, 
my character coming on the screen and I'm sitting on the couch next to him. And he looks at the screen and then looks at me and he's like, is that you? And was like so excited and it was like, oh my God. It was like, couldn't believe the way the technology worked. And then while he was shooting, I wasn't actually in those scenes that day, but naturally I insisted that I come oh, to yeah. set yeah. to be there. And it was the sweetest thing in the world because after he mm. would finish a take, he would look over at me. This is Conor McGregor would look at me and go, hmm? Oh, like, really? Was that, was that okay? Wow. And I'm like, dude, you do whatever Conor McGregor does. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So that was a really, <laughs> it's an exciting experience. Would you be down to do a sequel for this game if they came knocking? Absolutely. <laughs> That's a dumb question. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, do you think it's on the cards though? Because it has been, how long has it been now? Five years? Yeah. Infinite, Infinite, Infinity Ward did Infinite Warfare, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're a bit hamstruck with the Modern Warfare series now, which is, but you never know, maybe in another five years when they're done with that, Infinite Warfare too, because I get a lot of people on my channel all the time. They want a sequel. I really do. They love the it, universe. It was a bit of a departure for a lot yeah. of people, I think, you know, and what's interesting is that we did as much research into the type of warfare that was in that game as you do any other game. And we spoke with experts. We spoke with the military. We spoke with NASA about what would space warfare look like. You know, that's how the grappling hook came about. You have to have a way of controlling your position. And in space, when you have zero gravity, how do you do that? How do you move quickly from place to place when you're outside of a vehicle? So they realized they had to have grappling hooks. And and all of that was based on the idea that eventually space is the next frontier, the idea of mining asteroids, the idea of trying to get to these assets. They, they say the first trillionaire is going to be someone who successfully finds out how to mine an asteroid for the natural resources. And that's real. So the future of warfare really is in that direction. Um, but the hard thing is that when fans speak up about what they want, not realizing that it's a three-year cycle, you can say all you want is this particular game and they can hear you, but they're already in the middle of making another game. So first that game has to come out. Then they can kind of consider the next thing, which is its own three-year period. So you don't get that kind of feedback as quickly as you would in in other mediums. So do you think that that was the problem with some of the people that were not as um, not as big of a fan of the game because – the previous two titles were also futuristic and that's, you know, everyone was asking for futuristic at that time and then once the the, the cycle came around, Infinite Warfare had, had already been the third one. Personally, it's my favourite of the three, futuristic, Infinite Warfare. I'm not just saying that because you're here either. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, did you ever go to E3? And experience that sweat fest. <laughs> E3, Comic Con. I did mean, the rounds, yeah. Talk about stimulation overload. I remember walking into <laughs> E3 and it's like 800 video games at once blasting from all different directions. Oh, and you're just, you feel your brain start swirling. But to walk up to the convention center and see our posters wrapping the entire convention center for Infinite oh, Warfare, yeah. it was like, it blew my mind and Comic-Con was incredible being able to do a panel there, being able to do a panel there and mm-hmm. feeling like you're a part of such a sought after franchise was just a really neat experience. 
I'll take some questions from anyone in the chat as well. I'll also ask you, what was your favorite scene in Infinite Warfare? A few people have asked that. Did you have a favorite scene or line? Tough one. There's some good scenes. That is really tough. There's some good scenes. Uh, I I don't know if I can narrow it down to one scene, but yeah. I really loved the moments where we got to kind of slow down and show the human interaction in between the characters when it wasn't battle centric, when it wasn't Me urgent. I, I think that's one thing that the new technology and video games have allowed for those cinematic moments. And, and I think that that really makes a difference in how you feel invested in these characters. 100%. I agree. Gary Reeves says, how has, how has acting impacted your life? Well, it depends on the day. Um, <laughs> uh, right now, it's fantastic because I'm working. <laughs> uh, I know. It's, I it's that, that industry, <laughs> isn't it? I think you're set now. I mean, law and order, recurring you're, character. You're never set. No? You're okay. never set. Okay. Let me tell you, I had an 18-month dry spell before I booked law and order. So you're never really? set. I had the best year of my life prior to that. What? So I, I just don't yep, understand you, how it works. Like. It, there's nothing to understand. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah. It's only your whole life and it's in somebody else's hands every time. Yeah, and yeah. that part of it, you know, you have to go into an audition feeling like it's everything, right? You have to put a hundred percent in yeah. when you go in, this is going to change my life. Like you have to understand that as real in order to put into it what you need to put into it. But the second it's done, it can't exist in your brain anymore. You got to drop you it. Yeah, you walk you out of the room and, and you got to let it go because having done over 4,000 auditions in my life. Sorry, can you repeat that number? <laughs> can you repeat that number? Please tell me. I mean, that's not that's not even a joke. I mean, what? between all between commercial, television, film, video game, all of that, I've done over 4,000 auditions in the last 15 years. And Unbelievable. I don't know. You'd know me from, in this case, two jobs. You know me from two auditions out yeah, of those four thousand. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's uh, so it, it's yeah. not. It, it doesn't matter until it means everything, and at that point, you just got to be ready to accept the opportunity. So, what's that like? Eighteen months of trying to find your next job, and then you book. Of honestly, probably the big, you know, your your biggest gig yet. I don't know. Probably. Um, how does that feel? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's hard to reconcile with, honestly. Yeah. It's hard to feel safe. It's hard to feel secure when you've been trained your whole career to not feel safe and secure. It doesn't matter how how great your current job is. It doesn't guarantee anything mm. for the future. So I still feel today that I'm trying to understand that I'm a part of, of this big thing. And when I first got the job, as much as it should have been a source of validation for me after not getting a job for a year and a half, it was an immediate source of insecurity because I'm thinking this must be a fluke that they, that they picked me, you know, and, and mm. you start, even though I had gotten the job, I had already gotten myself into a place where I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Wow. So it took, it's taken, you know, over a year to say you have something to offer. You deserve to be here or you've earned it. However you want to look at it, but you kind of have to get to that place as quickly as possible so that you can, then perform at your best in wherever you are. Did you, when you did the audition for that, did you feel like it was better than your others? 
like when you nah yeah i mean if i'm being honest it was like you know oh i have to do this yeah okay because at that point auditions were just anxiety inducing because nothing had come of the last hundred wow so why would this be any different in my brain and as it turns out I think a little bit of that pulled back energy was exactly what, what made me needed. write for the show. Mm. Cause you can't go on law and order and have everything be a big deal. <laughs> you, know? you would be exhausted after 10 minutes. Yeah, so I, yeah. I think actually my, my style, which would have been bigger maybe if I had brought a little bit more energy, it, it's very weird the way it worked out. And it's the first time ever in my career out of hundreds and hundreds of tapes that I've submitted because taped auditions are the actor's worst nightmare because you don't get that human interaction. You don't get that feedback. Really? Okay. At least for me. I know some actors who prefer it because they have control over how many takes they do and they submit it yeah, when they're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For but me, you, that, you prefer hmm. the, the bounce off. Yeah. And after doing hundreds of them and never getting a job ever in my life off tape until this tape you know, you lose faith in that part of the process. And so it was a lot to kind of reckon with very quickly when it started to happen. Wow. So we, did you, did you like cry when you got the role or were you emotional? Was it just, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the hard part (laughs) is, is that I got the job initially and I was guaranteed, you know, like four episodes or something because they really like to try people out. You weren't, you weren't a series regular at the time, were you? It wasn't confirmed. No, so yeah. you're, uh, it was almost like my audition then lasted four more episodes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're like, yeah. Tested no the pressure. Waters. Yeah. Right. And then when they called to tell me it was going to be full on, I I remember where I was standing in Hudson Yards in New York. I was standing with a friend of mine. Wow. They called me. I started crying. And I said, girl, we're going to a nice dinner. And we went around <laughs> the corner to a sushi place and had the most incredible omakase dinner ever. And and that that was it. <laughs> And you've been shooting in lock, like through lockdown, haven't you? With COVID restrictions, yeah. We've been shooting through since September. We are on yeah. our fourteenth uh, episode, I believe, and we've not had to shut down, which is pretty rare. We've made it through the entire time and through the entire season thus far without having to shut down for anything. And this is season twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-two. Now, Re- that's record-breaking, <laughs> yeah. Yep. The 21st was, in fact, the record-breaking season, and now we're just adding to it. It's just – it's an amazing show, and everyone in the U.S. that I talk to watches it and loves it. Like, it's still got this hardcore audience after, like – Oh, yeah. Ice-T and Mariska have been in it for how many episodes? 400? Something ridiculous? Mm-hmm. It's insane. How many of you – are you in every episode this season? I am. Oh, So, I'll, nice. I'll be in 16 this season, and I did about – 17 i think last season maybe um so yeah um it's being around such icons is a learning i was gonna say what's it like every day yeah i still think i'm like some cardboard cutout that somebody (laughs) has like placed in the intro (laughs) (laughs) i do i I see the intro and i'm like who superimposed me on that like what am i what am i doing in the same room as iced tea and like and yeah. and they're so normal and yeah. you know we all send each other goofy videos or funny things from instagram you know like the relationship is as normal as you and your best friend and you put these people on these pedestals and then when you get down to it they're they're just the most wonderful and, and multifaceted human beings but ice tea's a gamer yeah i'm pretty sure he's a big gamer have you ever talked oh, to yeah. him about infinite warfare or gaming yeah 
Yep. We talk about it a lot. And nice. it's funny because when we have like scenes off, you know, if you're not working yeah. here during the day and you have a scene off and you just hear <laughs> coming from down the hall because <laughs> ice is in there just playing some first person oh. shooter game. And it's really cute because he likes to brag on me to people, you know, she oh, was a call of duty, that's you know, awesome. she, you know, that's it's awesome. a, his humility in that way is amazing. You know, he's not hesitant to build other people up in his presence. And I think it's so yeah. remarkable. No, hundred percent. Can you see yourself um, being 400 episodes in, in season 40? From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> I want me a Hamptons house like everyone else. No. <laughs> I, I think it's remarkable that, you know, Mariska could come in every single day and care. She cares as much as she did, I assume, from the beginning. And she still gives notes and she still says, this doesn't work or this really works. You know, she has an opinion and her brain is in it every single day, which is absolutely inspirational because I don't know anyone who isn't sick of their job after 22 years. No. Let alone one that takes up 50, 60 hours a week, 10 months out of the year. That's another thing I was going to ask. Does it, does it restrict you in terms of other projects you can do working on this show? Yes. I've yeah. been fortunate enough to do some voiceover work. I mean, outside of Call of Duty, I've done some other animated projects that I've been able to fit in. But contractually, you know, we can't really do anything else on television. And time-wise, you wouldn't have that availability oh, no. anyway. But what about movies? If you were to do movies or other mocap, you know, performance capture games, is it just too hard? Because of the, uh, it would be too hard yeah. while we were shooting because we have such a small cast, and so we're very yeah. much in it five days a week. Uh, but we, you're welcome to do whatever you want on hiatus. I'd love to be able to do some theater in our two months off. Um, mm. That's not going to happen this year, as it didn't happen but last year. Don't you feel like you want to take the two months off at that point? That too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be taking the two off. Yes. Seriously, I'd just be yes, relaxing actually, on a beach yeah, somewhere. I <laughs> my two months have already been planned. You know, at work, yeah. my fiance and I are going on an amazing trip to Alaska to go fishing. Oh, nice. Um, and then we're actually going to attempt to get married for the third time um, oh, yeah, <laughs> at nice. the end of hiatus. So nice. hopefully that goes to plan. Have you ever been to Australia down under here? No. Oh, you're no, come, that's on down. our list, though. You love it. All right. So the question is I know. I have from, lots um, of good friends in Australia and New Zealand. Oh, you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian says, what was it like to be screaming in the closet? <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, I did put up a note on my door of my apartment that said voiceover oh, really? you know, recording in progress. No one is being murdered in this apartment. <laughs> because, you know, I'm in an apartment building and I'm screaming, get down, get down. you know, you're screaming all kinds of stuff. And so I was, I told my, my landlord ahead of time and just said, if anyone feels the need to call the police, please don't. I'm fine. <laughs> um, so screaming into your closet is definitely a different experience than being on a volume um but it made it even more exciting to see all that get dropped into the game yeah inferno hey jamie love your work what did you think about playing rose in modern warfare were you happy to come back to the infinity ward world call of duty world well thank you inferno yes i would come back every day 
I will do whatever they ask me to do. <laughs> I love working with Brian. I love working with Taylor Kurosaki. I love working with the whole team. Yeah. And not only are they lovely humans, but the work itself is a blast. Yeah, 100%. What was it like working on Need for Speed? Heat. That was really a different experience, actually, because I played the player character in that. So it's yeah. not as much of you're not doing as much of the action and you're more of an observer. And what made it particularly unique is that the player could be either a man or a woman. So I had my counterpart in Andy Lawrence and he and I had to collaborate on everything because basically we had to do the same performance for every scene so that no matter if someone chose the male or the female player, it would make sense in relation to the other um, characters. Uh, like the lines would have to be the same length. Yeah, the about? lines have to be yeah. the same length. The physical gestures, where you're looking, where you're directing yourself, so that the other characters always look like it makes sense in relation. So we actually did every take. There'd be one person who was the lead for each take, and one person who was the mirror, and we would do it back. We would do it basically behind one another. Wow. So if I was the lead, he'd be standing behind me doing all of the same stuff. And we would kind of go back and forth that way and just oh, kind of have to mimic the other. Sucks. I, I played the male. I'm, I wish I played the female now, knowing that you were the female. Well, I didn't know and you, the get to choose, uh, you get to choose the ethnicity and the style and all of that. You really get to customize your character like you do the cars. I know. Um People are asking as well, a lot of people, do you know about the rose skin controversy? Have you heard about that at all? I don't know how ingrained you are. Controversy? I haven't heard about the controversy. Like, um, not not controversy, but like the the skin in the game is uh, like when you're playing the game and if if you use that skin, you're a bit more camouflage, I think, if you know what I mean. Like... So people think there's an advantage it's to an playing advantage. Rose over yeah, the other. Yeah, there's an advantage there a little bit. Have you heard anything about I'm that? I'm not mad at that. No, I'm, I'm not, not mad, mad no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Evan says, Jamie, love your work in Infinity Warfare and SVU. How does it feel to be the first SVU series regular buy character? That's another badge of honor. Mm. Uh, you know, as much as it was to be the first female lead in Call of Duty to play the first buy character on SVU, for me is really important. I think the way the show has handled her coming out and all of that is also very important because it really just presents her, her sexual orientation as one aspect of who she is, as opposed to the defining aspect of who she is. And I think that is super important when representing um, LGBTQ characters. I, I, it was as important for me also to be representing my own heritage, which is why Salter was also really great because I get to bring forth my Lebanese heritage, which is not something I get to represent often in jobs. So that was a real double whammy for me to, and I still take great pride in it, and I still feel it's a it's a responsibility that you have to constantly keep up with. You you're in New York, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you get stopped now a lot, or more noticed more? down the street uh you know i think i do get stopped every now and then i think the masks protect our privacy a little bit which is an interesting aspect of it um but i do get stopped every now and then and and the most remarkable part of that is when you're stopped by a survivor of sexual assault who then immediately shares with you the most vulnerable part of their life wow 
And that is something that I was um, told about in advance from my cast members. They're like, just know that this is going to happen, which I'm really glad I had a heads up because it's really emotional. I was going to have someone say, oh, I went. Yeah, I'm like getting emotional thinking about it because people feel comfortable enough with you to be open with you about something that maybe their own family doesn't even know Mm. or their friends or, you know, and the same thing with representing a bi character, you know, for some people who are not out in their own lives to see that represented openly on camera is something that's important to them. So for people to share those insanely vulnerable parts of their life with you as a stranger in, in my eyes, I'm mm. a stranger to them, but for some reason, you know, but they feel comfortable with me. And that is something that is really intense, but a really beautiful part of being on SVU. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they feel like you're their best friend in a lot of ways. So they know you. From they feel the understood. Yeah. Um, taking a different direction here, just Vincent says, question for Jamie, what is the name of the plant behind you? <laughs> <laughs> this is a beautiful floral arrangement here. It's not just one plant, it's many plants, and I don't know enough about flowers to tell no, you what they are. Either <laughs> uh, nocturnal. Behind you is a fiddle leaf, though. I know that oh, much. Oh, thank you. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I just thought it looked cool, looked nice. Nocturnal, question for Jamie. In the case of a sequel to Infinite Warfare, would you back yourself to be the lead character, being the only survivor of the on-screen cast from the first game? Of course, you would back herself. Come on. Salter's always been a bit of a lone wolf anyway. So I think, given the opportunity, uh, she would gladly step up to the challenge. Are there any uh, other voice actors or actors that you'd like to work with in the future, Jamie? Man, I mean, there are so many people that I respect. And yeah. I don't even know where to start because I don't think I ever fathomed that I would be where I am now, you know, checking off the boxes with iced tea and Mariska Hargitay. I mean, that those are pretty satisfying people to be in and to have uh, in your company. (laughs) uh, Ian McKellum was on the show. Yeah. Ian McShane. McShane, That was was adding anxiety to an already anxious situation because what's crazy is I had, watched Deadwood for the first time weeks before I booked this job. (laughs) And uh, my fiance kept saying, I can't wait for you to meet my favorite TV character ever. And he's the one who showed me Deadwood and was so obsessed with Swearingen. So I had just watched Deadwood. And a week later, I booked this part. And a week after that, the producer calls to tell me, we got Ian McShane to play Sir Toby. And I was like, oh my God, Swearingen. (laughs) (laughs) The timing was absolutely perfect and terrifying, but that was a really amazing experience to watch a vet like that do his thing. Well, you you also get a lot of celebrities, like, uh, what do you call it, cameos, yeah, on the show? Things like, things of that nature. Is that, do you get to talk to those celebrities when, when that happens? Do you show them the ropes or how does that work? Because I know you're like big one big family over there. We are. I think I try to appeal to people usually as like the new girl, you know, like I know what it's like. I mean, you know, but in most yeah. cases it's it's another day on the job for them and we're just fortunate enough to have these amazing people who rotate in and out of the show. 100%. Um, what about upcoming projects? Video game, like, do you want to do more video games in the future? I know you're hamstruck, hamstruck with um, SVU, but is that something you want to stay in that world? 
I love video games. I yeah. love voicing animation. I did many seasons of Voltron. I voiced the character Zethrid. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite jobs because in voiceover, you get to play characters you would never get to play on screen. Yeah. You know, so spending years as Zethrid going to talk like this and wanting to blow up everything was just such a, a really awesome departure from the other characters that I've played. So you would you would do it? Um, schedules permitted? Yes. Schedules permitted. Absolutely. Captain McMillan, question. Did you feel emotional at any point during Infinite Warfare's campaign, mentally or emotionally? Big fan of your performance, by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you got attached to the actors in the game, you got attached to the characters. And as, you know, when you leave, have to leave someone behind, you know, when we left David Harewood's character kind of behind, you know, and even um, uh, Joanna, who played uh, one of our, oh, I can't remember exactly what her role was called but she was one of the people on the ship and you know when her character died i remember being emotional about it because of her portrayal of her own death it just like got me you know and getting to work with such talented actors you have those moments a lot if if everything's going right you should hopefully be having those moments are you someone that can cry like within a minute can you turn it on or does it take you a while to get there Uh, it depends it depends. I don't have yeah. like a hair trigger. Yeah. I think that there's also so many ways to express grief or whatever it mm. is, you know, and crying mm. is really is one of them. But we all react differently. You know, we all express the same emotion differently as humans. So it's finding those nuances. I think that makes the emotional portrayals more effective. Manaf, does Jamie speak Arabic fluently? Arabic, sorry. No, I'm not fluent in Arabic. I wish I had learned more from my situ when she was alive. Situ is grandmother. Um, that's kind of the word for it in, in Lebanese Arabic anyway. Um, I would like to learn more. I know some. Uh, mm-hmm. Although at this point, I think learning French might be an easier way to get around the Middle East. <laughs> With Arabic, really? there are so many dialects. and uh, you, you could be speaking Arabic in Egypt and in Lebanon. It'll sound totally different. Really? Have you ever been to Egypt? I've not. No. I've not been to the Middle East yet, and I very much hope to get there soon. Yeah, 100%. M. Livria says, is there another gaming franchise you would like to work on if you were to go down that road? Mario? I mean, there's certain... Oh, my gosh. That would be... Can I play Donkey Kong? Is that a thing that I can play? <laughs> Uh, I mean, something more lighthearted and fun could be cool. I mean, you know, when you think about like, you know, the old school stuff like Grand Theft Auto and then all of that, like, you know, that's part of the reason why Need for Speed was fun because it was a totally different world. And, you know, I know things like The Last of Us and all of those that have like very human characters that Mm. all of those I think would also be a blast. So you've heard of The Last of Us? Mm Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of playing it? I've not played it, no. Would you or is it? Sure. Yeah? It's a very good game. Very, very intense game. I'll say that. Julian, how is it working with David Harwood? Oh, Julian. so David and I worked together on Killzone, actually. And when 
we were in the hangar about to start our call of duty training and the door opened and David walked in. I was like, no fucking way, man. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. So I <sighs> love working with him. He has a great sense of humor. He's yeah. a fantastic actor. We had way too much to drink together at Comic-Con. <laughs> and that's probably one of my most favorite memories is he and I in our antics just running around San Diego. But he uh, is a fantastic human. I loved working with David. You're a tequila drinker, yeah? Yes. I moved from scotch to tequila many years ago. <laughs> Have you tried the the Rock's new tequila? Mm-mm. Dwayne Johnson, No. No. No, I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm probably more Scotch than tequila, to be honest. But what made you transition? Um. <laughs> well, I sadly heard that tequila is actually a little bit easier for your body to manage. <laughs> yeah. Because tequila, yeah. when you get decent tequila, has far less additives than any yeah. other drink, so you feel a lot less like shit when you drink tequila. <laughs> so that was the main um, reason. You know, plus it's, it's you know, the only alcohol that's not a depressant. So it used to be tequila was my like, okay, we got another hour to go. I'm going to take a shot of tequila. Keep me going. I'm tired. <laughs> and now when you just start with that, then you never need to pick me up. <laughs> uh, um, I also saw on your Instagram a very interesting article. You were featured in an article. It was called The Top 10 Most Beautiful Butts. <laughs> one of my greatest uh, honors that, yeah i was gonna say that that's is that on your wall somewhere like that article I, I, it should be maybe i should frame that <laughs> i mean it is a compliment um uh, yes you know out. what was great about that is that i had to sacrifice before i did that that episode of true blood yeah i spent 30 days without alcohol carbs or dairy and I worked out every single day and it was terrible and I did it for vanity reasons. And I'm really glad that I did and that it turned out to be worth something. My first major award. <laughs> I've never watched True Blood. Do you still get uh, fans um, talking about that show to you to this day? Because I know there's Sometimes, a hardcore yeah. audience for that show. I know that. Yes. Far out. Yes. I guess that was another show I was very grateful to come on to. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll give you a couple more before I let you go. I really appreciate your time, Jamie. Um, any advice for young actors? Well, we'll start with the harsh reality, which is if there's anything else that you can see yourself doing with your life, do that. Um, I've heard that a few times, actually. Uh, practically, save your money starting today because your money will run out before your perseverance. Yeah, I mean, these are the things that they don't tell you in school, right? Like, yeah. sure, hone your craft, work hard, you know, take it seriously and, and and really train and all these things. Keep your body in good shape. Keep your brain, your voice. Like, you have to protect all these assets that you have that are your means of communication as an actor. But none of that matters if you can't survive as a human being wherever you are. Mm -hmm. So getting your life in order is really important in order to be available to take these jobs and to do a good job at auditions, you know, moving into LA by myself, half the trouble was getting new insurance. You know, it, it, there's like all these little things that like you have to get in order because then you have an audition and you're dealing with a bill or a problem or 
whatever it is, you need to have your life together to be available to, to really do a good job. Um, and really understand what it is that you have to offer that makes you different. Because if you don't understand what it is that you're already bringing to the table, you might waste energy attempting to put that on or portray that as a character, not realizing that you're already bringing that to the table. So you don't need to push it. So, you know, an example of that is something like if a character is sexy, let's say Mm -hmm. they don't have to, you don't want to create a situation where you're trying to be sexy, right? Like you don't want to have to put that on, on top and it feels fake and it feels forced. If you understand that like you're chosen because you already embody whatever the trait is, then that's something you don't have to put your energy towards. You know, it's coming across naturally and you can focus on the emotional side of things. So understanding what it is that you offer to a particular scenario. And that goes for the world that goes for a community that goes within groups of friends, you know, understanding what it is that you're already bringing to the table will help you understand why you're being brought into that room to begin with. It's a great answer. It's almost like you've had to, you've been asked that one before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you've experienced it, you have to figure out how to get through it. (laughs) Oh, far out. Um, Penny also asks, um, would you ever stream on Twitch or YouTube? Or do any of that, like more social media stuff, or you're just too busy? Um, it's not that I'm too busy. I mean, much to what I just said, I don't know that I actually have anything to offer that world necessarily. Um, really? I would. Oh, you're too I, humble. I mean, as far as Twitch goes, I it's not like I'm gonna live stream me getting killed every five <laughs> steps. I mean, maybe that might be entertaining for someone to watch Salter. <laughs> get yelled at by Salter because I know that's entertaining to me when I'm screaming back at myself that I can't shoot the AA cannon because I can't see it and Salter's yelling at me in my own voice and I'm yelling back at Salter. So maybe that was something that could stream on Twitch. Um, I, I, I do enjoy interviewing people who are experts in different fields. I really enjoy learning. So maybe that's something that I could offer as far as kind of hosting my own interviews where I'm not the subject, but I'm serving as the greater public and trying to get information from people that's valuable for all of us. So that might be something okay. that would interest me. So you have, you, you, it, it's not a, it's not a no at this stage. You never know what the future unfolds. You tell me if I'm worth watching. <laughs> Hey, well, hundreds, hundreds and thousands of people are watching, watching you now, and have been for the last hour. So you must be doing something right. Well, there you go. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, where can we find you? Instagram and Twitter, J G Hyder. I'm J G Hyder. Yeah, yep, yeah. J G H Y D E R. Just Twitter and IG. Yeah, I don't really interact much on Facebook. I have a Facebook, but I don't really do much on there. Um, but Instagram and Twitter are usually where I'm most active, particularly Instagram. No TikTok yet? I can't. <laughs> I can't TikTok, Snapchat. I can't. That is something I can't keep up with. I'm, uh... I would. <laughs> that would be another series of fails that might be interesting to people. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Jamie. It's been a pleasure to to chat with you all things COD and gaming and TV and everything. What have you got planned for the rest of the day? Day off? Yes, it's a day off. So I'm going to go off here in my early bird senior hours and have dinner probably sometime (laughs) soon. And I love a good meal more than anything. So uh, that's probably what I'll do the rest of my day. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jamie. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. No worries. Take care.
Tell Brian I say hi. <laughs> I will. I'll tell him. I'll tell him. Um, you said he was really difficult to work with. Such a diva. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Take care. Thank you so much. I'm- it appears as if-